Support for Radioactive's Punk Rock Farmer comes from Go Biochar. The following program was pre-recorded. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists and community builders right here weeknights at 6 on KRCL. I'm Laura Jones. It's Friday, so it's Punk Rock Farmer Friday with Aldine Strike 9. Boy, it's good to be here. It's springtime now. Ooh, it's going up and down temperature-wise, but I'm telling you, everything's popping out of the dirt at my house, even things I don't want to pop out of the dirt. There's so much going on. There's (laughs) so many busy urban farmers out there. Shad Mm. Stegel will be with us to talk about his CSA here in a little bit. And uh, Katie Lawson is with us, and we're going to talk mushrooms. And I'm pretty excited about this because I actually was successful and grew some mushrooms at home on my own. I've taken her class before on how to grow mushrooms, and I hear from you that she's got actually a mushroom CSA kit. So I'm curious how that's all going to work out. Skywatcher Leo T on the pink moon, and also it's Dark Sky Month here in the state of Utah. He'll talk about that on his Many Cultures One Sky Report. Also, uh, we've it's Earth Month, right? Okay. Earth Day is April 22nd, and uh, we are going to start featuring some artists on Friday who are mindful of the Earth or climate change. And we've got Sugar House Fiber artist Jean Akita coming up. Her work will be featured April 24th to May uh, 1st, I believe, in the online exhibit Smithsonian Craft Optimism, Celebration of Creative Ideas for Responding to Climate Change, and her designs. You're going to have to check the show notes, Al, for pictures. 3D sculptural, wearable punk rock. Wow. Fully. So (laughs) I'm really excited to, I'm geeking out. I'm I'm sorry about that. (laughs) April is National Poetry Month, and poetry still happens on this show. Coming up, we'll have something from Utah poet Cindy King that works quite well in the punk rock farmer's garden. But we start where we always start, and we have special musical guests today. So good. Uh, Tonight's musical guest is the Delbert Anderson Trio, and uh, they're coming to town later this month. Award-winning jazz trumpeter uh, Delbert and Nicholas Lucero on drums and Mike McLuhan on bass. Uh, Earth Day is April 22nd, and the trio will be at the Orm Library. Hey, Delbert and crew. Thanks for giving us some time virtually today for the show. How are you? Doing great. Thank you, Laura. Hey, we were talking a little bit before the show about my Maynard Ferguson experience of my youth. And uh, Delbert says, yeah, he's a big influence for a lot of trumpeters. But who are your influences? And give us a little bit of the taste of, of, of the Delbert Anderson trio. Uh, what, what influences your fusion you got going on? And we'll play a song. Yeah, well, I grew up in the um, sort of indigenous area territories here in uh, northwest New Mexico. And so that indigenous culture was always a part of me. And when I went to college, I started to really uh, fuse these genres with jazz. I was a big jazz player in in college and in fact uh jazz since middle school until now you know i've been playing ever since and uh in college is where i actually started to play jazz more professionally and meet a lot of these great trumpet players um of today's you know in today's world and uh we started to, I believe in 2013, the trio got together because we were the only people in our community that were playing jazz. And so uh, for about a week and a half, we 
tried to play jazz standards as a trio and it wasn't just it wasn't working out so we we were like every other jazz combo so i started to dig deeper into my culture and i found the navajo spinning songs uh which are actually social songs i started to fuse that and be inspired by those particular uh parts of of, of the music and uh was really able to let uh mike and nick do whatever they want or add whatever influences they would like to the music. So I would come in with a melody or an idea and Mike and Nick would uh, complete it. And uh, after the song is complete, we then go in and work out the details of what's going to happen and um, uh, whether it be a concept or an experience that we had, you know, that they're all inspired from uh, different areas. Well, we're going to talk more with the rest of the band and hear what you're doing in Orem. I understand there's going to be a workshop at the local junior high and tickets don't cost anything, but you do need to reserve them. Stick around. We'll tell you how to do that. But uh, Delbert, introduce this first song for us. Tell us what album it's on and what it's called. This first song is on our very first album called Manitou. And uh, this is called Groove Warrior, and Groove Warrior is actually from one of the Navajo spinning songs that talks about love and war. The Delbert Anderson Trio with Groove Warrior right here, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM. Thank you. 
Whether you were homegrown right here in Utah or you got transplanted from somewhere far, far away, KRCL has been rooted right here for the past 40 years, creating the community we all know and love. Support homegrown and heartfelt radio during Spring Radiothon starting April 10th or give today at krcl.org. It's many cultures, one sky. Skywatcher Leo T here as we crack open the new spring. Lots of fun stuff going on in the sky. On Mars, NASA's little Mars helicopter has opened its eyes on the red planet. The four-pound helicopter known as Ingenuity snapped its first color photograph on Saturday. You can view this on the Skywatcher Facebook page along with other photos from Perseverance and all sources for this segment. This view shows the floor of Mars' Jezero crater and a portion of the two wheels of the Perseverance rover. And the tiny flying machine is set to take to the skies, the Martian skies, for the first time this Sunday the 11th. And coming up, April's only full moon, the pink supermoon, will appear in the sky on the evening of April 26th and continue into the next day as it brightens. The full pink moon doesn't actually turn pastel pink, as the name may suggest. The full pink moon's name comes from the abundance of moss flocks, a common little pink flower that typically begins to spread across the ground in early spring. So look for the pink flocks and the full moon a few days after the Lyrid meteor shower drops about 10 an hour in the north. And giving a nod to dark skies, Utah Governor Spencer Cox declared that April 2021 is Utah Dark Sky Month. In his declaration, Cox noted that dark skies are integral to the well-being of many animal and plant species and they have positive health impacts on humans. And according to Cox, which is true, Utah has 23 accredited international dark sky places. Celebrate this month by visiting one of Utah's 23 accredited international dark sky places. And the link to this is on Skywatcher Facebook page. Should we do some stargazing? In the morning, Jupiter and Saturn edge ever higher in the southeast during early dawn. And on the other end of these new spring days, shortly after the end of twilight around this time of year, it's easy to spot big orange Arcturus, the big bright star, climbing in the east. Stands just as high as Sirius, the brighter twinkling giant of a star a little later. These are the two brightest stars in the sky right now. And then look high to the west above Sirius for bright Procyon. It twinkles nicely. From there, look higher and to the upper right for Castor and Pollux, the Gemini twins. And then as we keep tracing a spring arch, look over further to the right for the bright orangish Capella. Below these are Taurus, the sparkling bull, Mars, and Orion, the blue Rigel, and the mystical nebula. The sky's a real treat this time of year, so have a look. Also up in the sky is Draco the Magical Dragon, who hangs around the northeast at nightfall and moves higher across the sky later. It's a lovely meandering dragon and winds between the big and little dippers. It's home to the cat's eye, a glowing cloud of dust expelled by a dying star, and its swirls are green and red. It's many cultures, one sky, and tonight we'll go old school constellation looking and check on the Greek interpretation of the constellation Draco the Dragon. Its location makes it circumpolar, which means it never sets below the northern horizon. The constellation Draco is associated with several myths, most frequently the one about the twelve labors of Hercules. He's got his own constellation nearby. In this myth, Draco represents the dragon that guarded the golden apples in the gardens of Hesperidus. As part of his twelve labors, Hercules was asked to steal some golden apples from the tree. So naturally, he killed the dragon with his poisoned arrows and took the apples. Saddened by the dragon's death, the goddess Hera placed its image in the sky among the constellations to twinkle for us. Draco is depicted coiled around the North Pole most of the time with one foot on Hercules' head. Maybe a bit of consolation for the dragon. 
Lots of different interpretations of star groupings. Make up your own. Stars are all of our heritage. It's one of the many great things that we have in common. So look up, look around, and get a little lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T. 90.9 FM, KRCL, streaming live and on the app. You can also listen on the transistor radio and help us make a pledge so we can keep KRCL alive during this spring fun drive. Thank you, Leo T. And uh, many cultures, one sky. I like how he, he puts that, that uh, we're all in the same sky, folks. But Radiothog coming up, Aldine. Radiothon next week. And we're doing uh, playlists for activists, punk rock farmers, and the like. Basically, we're coming to everybody. We're going to feature a lot of the music that we've uh, shared every Friday night here on Punk Rock Farmer Friday. Hopefully, as we get through this COVID thing, uh, you know, we can get the bands back live in the studio sooner rather than later. But uh, we are grateful for the bands that have been able to adapt and Zoom with us. Stick around. We'll have more from the Delbert Anderson Trio coming up. I'm Laura Jones, and this is Punk Rock Farmer Friday with Aldine Strict 9, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer. And uh, a couple of things we want to remind you about here on Rallies and Resources. First of all, the statewide mask mandate does end tomorrow. But you know what, folks? <laughs> We're not through this yet. And a lot of places are still maintaining their own masks. So be kind. Mask up. Don't be a mask hole. That's uh, <laughs> what I want to say. <laughs> um, uh, coming up, we're going to talk more with the Delbert Anderson Trio. And also, you got Shad Stagel with his CSA shout out in a minute. But first, there was a great story I saw at sltrib.com featuring Sugarhouse Fiber artist Jean Akita. Jean is joining us now to talk about her 3D felt wearable sculptures, which will be featured later this month in an online exhibit called Smithsonian Craft Optimism, a celebration of creative ideas for responding to climate change. And one of the cool things in bringing Jean on is I found out that the Utah Arts Festival is actually going to happen because she'll be there later. Hi, Jean. How are you? Hi, good. Thank you so much for having me today. Yes, the Utah Art Festival uh, is happening this year, but they uh, shifted uh, from June to August, end of August. And you'll also be at the Park City Kimball Arts Festival in August, too. Yeah, it's happening, too. It's beginning of August. Well, Earth Month is April, because Earth Day is April 22nd, Al. And we wanted to feature some artists getting up to some good trouble with their art. And you uh, work with wool. And you're looking for sustainable and hand-dyed types of fibers. Tell us a bit about your process. Uh, the felting, uh, it's ancient uh, process. Uh, it's fully sustainable uh, it, uh, using uh, just a, a small amount of water and natural soap and renewable natural fibers as uh, uh, merino wool and silk and flax. And um, also uh, it allows to create the uh, seamless uh, 3D wearable structures that are created out of the natural materials. And yeah, the process is fully sustainable. One of a kind uh, wearable arts, one of the ones that I'm looking at in the Tribune story, which we'll link in tonight's show notes, has a very Game of Thrones feel to it. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yes, that's true. So that's, um, uh, actually an illusion so that's why I'm, uh, my brand is called illusions lab it uh, uh, each piece that calls for different illusions in uh, every single uh, people so it's very interesting tell me about getting included in the Smithsonian craft optimism exhibit 
Yes, the Smithsonian uh, Craft Optimism uh, will be celebrating uh, of creative ideas for responding, responding for climate change. And this is uh, the first Smithsonian um, craft show focused on the sustainability and climate change. Uh, they uh, it, it will be produced by Smithsonian Women's Committee and Honoring the Future Organization. And it will feature uh, 100 artists that practices um, sustainability and creating their art, like uh, reusing materials, uh, recycling, or uh, the sustainable process by itself. What's your website? And then remind us which arts festivals you'll be in coming up later this summer. Uh, my ways, uh, website is ilulab.com. Um, or Illusions Lab uh, Felting. You can Google that and uh, I'm pretty sure it's full, it's going to pop up. And um, uh, the schedule for this year, for this summer is still tricky. Um, I'm still waiting for uh, the festivals uh, to be confirmed for the summer. So as I know so far, uh, I'll do Montana. Montana and uh, Kimball Art Festival, Utah Art Festival, and uh, please check for the full schedule my website. Um, and yes, I'm open by appointment, my home studio. So if you would like to come and uh, see this art in person, uh, you're more than welcome. Gina Nikita, thanks so much for giving us some time in our virtual studio here for Punk Rock Farmer Friday. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Gina Kita, we'll put a link in the show notes so you can check out her website. Also, that story in the trib with great photographs of the wearable 3D felt sculptures that she makes. They're just, I'm just, I'm blown away. I'm kind of getting crafty in my older age. Uh -oh. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, wow, that's how you do it. That is some talent there. So I'm, I'm a big fan already. Community Supported Agriculture, CSAs. Uh, folks need you to sign up and we've got someone to tell us about theirs. Chad Stegel is with us from Stegel Organics. Hi. Hey, Chad. How you doing? Good, Al. How you doing today? I'm, do I'm doing good. I, I know you're busy. I know you're probably too busy to talk for too long. What kind of stuff have you been planning? And I know you probably, you have greenhouses and stuff, so you've had stuff going for a while, but you're gearing up for the CSA, which starts when? Uh, May 6th is our first share. So what kind of stuff have you got? cooking in the in the greenhouses now yeah well right now i've got um tons of cabbage planted napa cabbage lettuce bunching onions um kohlrabi um salad greens turnip salad turnips you know, uh, arugula all sorts of stuff oh, so so basically the the stuff you start we start out with is kind of cool weather stuff you got your cabbages and and those kind of things and greens and stuff like that and then later on you know the most people just grow their summer gardens and then we move on to the other stuff but uh big focus now is on the greens and all that kind of stuff and and um you're right here in Rose Park, so you're right here where the station is. You're, it's kind of, you're in the hood with us. We're all in the same spot, and yeah, uh, in Glendale, yeah, very cool. Right down the street. Your CSA is kind of focused on that area. Where are you, where are you branching out to? Well, I mean, ideally for convenience of everyone, um, you know, I'm just basically accept members um, from any uh, from from anywhere, but mostly. Salt Lake City area and just surrounding areas, you know, it makes it pretty convenient. Um, I'm right off of 
215 and Redwood Road or right down California Ave and 1400 West about. And so it's pretty convenient to get here for anyone just kind of, you know, five to 10 miles away, I think. Uh, picking up, you get a huge bag of food and you're, you're always welcome to come visit the garden and check out the bees, check out the chickens, see where your food's grown. Um, we're out here every day doing stuff and, um, we need more members for the season. Uh, it's, it's been an amazing year already so far. I have eight high tunnels in production right now and I'm farming on, on over an acre and a half of land. Um, and Basically yeah, right in the it. heart of the city. You're doing this right, and you're right connecting the with the community through Community Supported Agriculture, CSA. So we as a member of the public, we buy a share. We get a weekly allotment of what you grow, what's coming uh-huh. on throughout the season. That helps sustain and maintain you as a small business person and plan for your future planting. So it really connects your your dinner table folks to the farmer, to the land and back. Yeah, I really am super passionate about what I do. I think that um, the getting back to uh, small-scale agriculture in some way, um, in a lot of ways, can can really benefit society in a whole and in just so many ways. And like today, I've got a helper out here just volunteering with me, and and uh, we made some dried bundles of oregano that I didn't. Um, prune out last year but they still smell really nice and some lavender and put those in the house and um, but yeah it's really it's a really amazing um, opportunity being right here in the city to be honest and this uh, this farm my vision is 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 definitely multifaceted and I I hope to have more and more educational opportunities out here in the future um, as I'm preparing to buy the property but um, but uh but yeah, it's just so amazing. I think it's so needed. Um, and so, you know, the carbon footprint, you know, in my mind is a lot less. It's all grown organically. Um, probably people say beyond organically, the, <laughs> but that just, I mean, I'm trying to regenerate the soil and build soil and um, and not have the soil blow away. And um, I posted something the other day uh, to my Instagram. I was out there and God, I had it was right after I watered in this huge bed and there are thousands and thousands of big, big earthworms. It was nice, <laughs> but it brought me so much joy. So regenerative, uh, regenerative agriculture. I mean, a, a sustainability has been a thing for a long time, but uh, in the last maybe 10 years or so, the regenerative agriculture is really giving back and putting back to the soil and doing stuff like that. And that's what you're up to, right? Yeah, that's the main intention is that while I'm producing um, things here in the garden and giving uh, and we are at a high production, so we need to keep that soil fertility up. So inherently, I, you know, I will be bringing in uh, organic matter from outside the farm to keep that fertility up, but then also employing what I grow when I grow it crop rotations to put nitrogen from the air into the ground to keep the soil covered so that the earthworms and things are up high in the soil during the winter and, um, you know, really tunneling and creating crumb structure, Um, you know, and just uh, really looking after the soil like it's it is a living organism itself, you know. Very cool. Um, Uh, Thanks so much for taking a little bit of your time 
a shad in it and coming on with us and telling folks about your CSA. Where can they find you? Yeah, um, you can find us at stagelorganics.co and um, also on Instagram at Shad Stagel Organics and Facebook. Um, and I please, if you live in Salt Lake or right around the area uh, here in Glendale, um, which is like Redwood Road in California, mm-hmm. um, check out the website. We we have we need to fill a lot more memberships. And uh, I'm going to be planting for 100 members plus this year, and we have about 50 or so people signed up. So, um, so the food's going to be here. So come, <laughs> come sign up and uh, help support some uh, organic local food. Support your local grower, Al. Your yep. punk rock farmers, right? Yes, sir. Hey, Shad, thank you so much. And now let's get some more music in here. The Delbert Anderson Trio is going to come to Utah, actually on the road. Delbert, what's that like, given COVID? Is this one of your first gigs back on the road? It's one of the first. I think it's probably the fourth or fifth, actually. Well, you guys are coming down to the Orem Library on Earth Day, no less. You'll be doing a a workshop with the junior high down there. And I'm kind of curious how how you feel about working with those kids. What's it like to work with kids who are aspiring musicians? Nicholas Lucero on drums. Yeah, it's a it's a blast. Um, you know, one thing that's always been true of the band is is you know, two of us are, are professional educators. Mike and Delbert are both actual San Juan College um, professors, and I used to be adjunct uh, faculty at the same uh, school. So one thing from the very sort of inception of the band was how important education is to us as a concept. You know, we, one of our first large projects was uh, winning a grant from the Connie Gotch Arts Foundation to do a series of concerts. I think we did something like 30 schools. Uh, where we did, uh, you know, elementaries and junior highs and exposed kids to uh, jazz and, and got some of that sort of feedback from them on, on music. And and one of the most, I think, impressive things about the children is, uh, you know, they, they feel music at a much more visceral level than I think adults tend to do. I think sometimes adults tend to kind of get in their own way and think about it too much. And and one of the, uh, the compositions of jazz that we worked with is sort of slower, uh, Coltrane song, and it was meant to invoke uh, a very specific feeling, and it was neat that the kids coming from uh, from just a feeling standpoint would always get it. They, they would say, oh, this song makes me feel this way, and it was almost the exact title of the song. So I think that as a band, that's always been a really rewarding thing for us to do, is to share the love of music. And actually, that's one thing we kind of, at least Delbert and I shared in common, was um, a lot of us had these academic um, moments that really inspired us to pursue this as a career. I know for me, it was uh, when I was in high school, there was like an army rock band and I, I didn't know they did this, but there was just like a bunch of officers that came in and played rock music and and, uh, and thought that I was a good drummer and invited me to play on stage with them. And, you know, I just sat in and play a song. And, and that for me was kind of this defining moment uh, for my playing as far as, oh, hey, I could actually do this. And there's there's a, you know, a, a way to go out and, and perform music like this. So so we, we have always highly valued education and, and workshops and and we, we not only do it with schools we also tend to package these with um, community engagements at, like at uh, detention facilities or women's shelters we've we've run the gamut uh, over the past few years as far as community outreach well that's nicholas lucero on drums and uh, the band's going to be down at orem junior high in the morning on the 22nd then a concert at library hall in the ashton auditorium mm-hmm. By 7 o'clock, tickets required but complimentary. Check tonight's show notes for a link. Uh, Mike McLuhan on bass. Um, well, I've been I've been playing for, oh gosh, better than 40 years. I started on electric and then uh, 
switched over to upright, I guess around 2001 when I was working at the college. That's about the time I met Nick, the drummer. And uh, so I, I, like I said, I come from an electric bass background. So I just kind of, you know, turned it from this way up to this way and did, did the same thing as I had done for the 30 years before that. So which one are you bringing uh, on the road? Uh, hopefully the upright. I, we try to always bring the upright um, if we can. Sometimes space limits us and we and we resound to the to the electric. But uh, well, I'm putting it on the roof of the the band van. It's like putting your child on the roof. So yeah, you got to find the space. That far yet. I don't know. I would I would hate to do that. <laughs> The bass is older than me. A bass is like a 1930s German pre-World War II bass, oh, so yeah. I'd hate to put it on the roof. But <laughs> I guess if we have to for the show, that's what we'll do. No, no, no. Delbert's laughing. Uh, you guys can't see him in the Zoom session <laughs> on the radio. But Delbert, and your your gig down in Orem is supported by Onstage Utah, Utah Arts and Museums, Advancing Indigenous Performance, Westaff, the Western States Arts Federation, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Tell us about this next song from Manitou. Uh, this next song is called Iron Horse Gallop, and it was actually composed on a train ride from Gallup, New Mexico to Los Angeles, California. And so in this song, you can hear the train starting and you can hear all these maneuvers. And, uh, you know, I would like to say it was a comfortable ride, but it was pretty wild and it was very hard to sleep. <laughs> so that came across in this composition. It kind of it's a little eerie. It's a little uh, uh, freaky. But the, I think the, the cool thing about it is we sort of tribute um uh, during this train ride, we passed through uh, Navajo Nation, the Navajo Nation area reservation, and we get to the city. And then when we come back, we pass through this Navajo Nation again. And so in the song, you can hear those, uh, hear that journey. Iron Horse Gallop, the Delbert Anderson Trio, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM.
As a thank you to the KRCL community, KRCL's Music Meets Movies at Home will be screening the 2018 Sundance award-winning documentary about the Sri Lankan-born rapper-activist MIA. No ticket needed, but registration is required. Join KRCL from the comfort of your own home on Thursday, April 22nd at 7.30 p.m. for a screening of Matange Maya MIA. The documentary pulls from 22 years of footage covering MIA's youth, rise to fame, and controversies that followed. Music was my medicine. It just blew up so quickly. I lived through a war, came as a refugee that is now a pop star. What are the goalposts? That's Music Meets Movies Home Edition at your place, Thursday, April 22nd. For more information and to register, head to krcl.org. Thank you all for keeping community radio alive and well in 2021. Enjoy the film. Hi, I'm Trish Hopkinson, and this is Poetry Still Happens, brought to you by Rock Canyon Poets and KRCL's Radioactive, with a dose of poetic distraction from our own Utah poets. Enjoy! Hi, my name is Cindy King. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, but live in southern Utah, where I'm an assistant professor of creative writing at Dixie State University and faculty advisor for the Southern Quill DSU's Literary Arts Journal. The title of my poem is Mama Garde Mange, and it was first published in the December 2019 issue of Crab Orchard Review. Mama Garde Mange. Was it for the manager as much as it was for me? For my father, for our acre of mud? For the withered rows of cornstalks blanching in the rain. For the platters and oyster knives, for the threat of their blades. For the poaching, the pickling, for the brine. For her knuckles split and the blood rising from the sting. For her neck bowed as if worshipping the work of the hands. For the bent back, for the shoulders, for her body curved, committed to murderous disassembly. For her feet raw and the boots' failings? Was it for third-shift sunlight, beautiful if it weren't so ugly? For eyes and entrails, soft shells, scales, for peach sangria in the drain? Or was it for the stoop and the styrofoam cooler hosting its own frozen season? Or for the breath she held, the smoke expelled in delinquent streams, thick, forgetful, distracted by wind, vanishing before it knew where it was going. This is Cindy King, and my debut poetry collection, Zoonotic, will be released by Tinderbox Editions in 2021. You can follow me on Facebook and find links to more of my work online at mappingliteraryutah.org and on the NPR podcast, The Slowdown. Poet Cindy King. And this has been Trish Hopkinson with Poetry Still Happens. For past episodes, go to krcl.org, click on Community Affairs, then select Poetry. For more information on how you can participate and support the Utah poetry community, go to rockcanyonpoets.com. Support for KRCL comes from Go Biochar, a climate beneficial soil additive that can reduce water consumption for lawns and gardens. Orders and information at gobiochar.com. You're listening to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9 FM. It's Punk Rock Farmer Friday. I'm Laura Jones. Coming up at 7 o'clock, it is Democracy Now!, followed at 8 o'clock by Circus Brown and Not a Sideshow, and then Keith and Nate with Friday Night Fallout. And if you haven't picked up Slug Anywhere Cool or looked at it online, you are missing out on a great article about Keith 
McDonald from Friday Night Fallout. So do check that. You can find our whole lineup online at krcl.org. Click Community Affairs to find the radioactive archives and catch up on Punk Rock Farmer Friday shows. Aldine Strychnine, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer. Before we get into your Urban Farm Report, just want to remind folks that we only get to do this show because of their support. I mean, obviously, this station has been around for so long, and it's been listener-sponsored the whole time. So it's there's nothing really new. It's the same old thing. And we to keep us going, we do a fun drive every spring and fall. Mm-hmm. And we always have such wonderful luck and participation. We do really good with the mm-hmm. show, and, and the folks in our community are really, you know— uh, really into supporting the station and we look for that and we love that so much and that's what KRCL is all about we do it one t-shirt at a time and tomorrow Radiothon starts you'll be able to see the new Punk Rock Farmer t-shirt that we have designed in collaboration with artist Danae Shandine so do check that out at krcl.org make your contribution and of course we'll be back here a week from tonight to almost wrap it up we'll go through I think Saturday next week for the whole drive but we'll be specifically asking for supporters of the Punk Rock Farmer next Friday. Yes, we will. Allison Anderson is going to be with us, too. And we did really good the last time. She's right in there with the Farmer's Market and Downtown Alliance. And, uh, you know, that's where the hub of uh, all the urban farmers and the food comes from is Farmer's Markets here in Salt Lake. I think the Farmer's Market is open just this Saturday and next Saturday down at the Gateway where the Winter Market has been. And then June 5th, Summer Market is on. So, uh, yeah, if you're looking to support your local growers, you can do it at the Downtown Farmer's Market. And we have a local grower on now with a fungi twist. Yes, we're going to do some fungal focusing here today (laughs) with Katie Lawson. I'm so glad you came on, Katie. Thank you. Hey, thank you. So, Katie, you're involved with with, the University of Utah, and you've even been involved with our buddies Wasatch Community Gardens a little bit, I've heard. Yeah, I work with several different community organizations. Generally, they just have a much bigger reach than I do since I kind of just started doing this about two years ago. So I have lots of classes with lifelong learning and um, the Green Urban Lunchbox. I work with them as well. Very cool. You're going to be supporting them and, and have some of your mushrooms in a CSA with them? Yeah, I I would say more that they're supporting me. There you Uh, go. (laughs) I've I've worked there for several summers over the last five years, and they have a wonderful vegetable CSA, and they also use fruits from their fruit share program. So if you purchase one of their CSAs, then you can add on mushroom grow kits in, in addition. So I I recently got my fingers in the pie here and started to grow some mushrooms and uh, a sawdust a sawdust block is what I started with. It's maybe eight inches and a rectangular, um, yeah. maybe a foot by eight inches thick. Big old uh, compressed, kind of a big compressed yeah. block, but it grows mycelium on it and. Uh, How do they inoculate that? How does that get started? I have some questions about that, and then we'll let you go on what you teach. Um, So the sawdust blocks are usually made in more of like a sterile lab type setting. I have much more of a, a DIY type system where I use modified mason jars and then transfer the mycelium onto straw uh-huh. and buckets. Uh, sawdust tends to get contaminated a lot easier than straw does. So for people that don't have the whole 
HEPA filter lab set up, straw is a good alternative. So, so I grew a really nice batch off of my block, and the second batch is a little slow. Uh, I was, I'm, I've heard I, I can get up to four times maybe, maybe off of it. And then you can actually plant it in the ground or in straw and water it that way too. I've seen some things about that. So it's not, is it spent? Do I just have to wait a little longer? What's going on with it now? Well, so when we grow them in buckets or in bags, they're on kind of a limited amount of substrate. So they start to run out of food. So it's pretty normal that the the subsequent flushes after the first one are a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. And also some of the tricks that I've had to learn here in Utah is it's just incredibly dry. And fungi rely on water to produce the, the fruit body or the mushroom itself. And then they also need humidity in the air in order to trigger the fruiting process. So a lot of times in Utah, it's a water issue. You can take something like the kit that you grew and separate it out onto more substrate like straw. Uh, but you, I would recommend pasteurizing it before you do that. So, and but you're teaching folks how to grow, and you're you're doing oyster mushrooms because that's kind of a beginner one and an easier one. Yeah, oyster mushrooms are very aggressive. They tend to take over um, certain contaminants in their environment. Um, they'll grow on a lot of different types of substrates. You can grow them on. I grow them on paper bags and coffee straw. So you can actually remove waste materials from the. Uh, from the garbage stream and divert them into growing food. So there's this uh, oyster mushrooms offer a lot of opportunities for us to work with them. And because I'm teaching a lot of people for the first time, I want them to be successful. And there's a couple of words that hook together here. And one of them for me uh, recently was food forest, Um, fungal forest. So fungal forest, um, any how it ties in with ecology how's that how does that go so fungi are pretty much everywhere they're on every landscape that you can imagine performing different functions in the environment um, the biggest thing that they get a lot of credit for is transporting nutrients and water and medicine through the soil through something called the common mycelial network which is this uh, mycelium is something like the the root structure of a fungus, it's a little bit different from plant roots, but you can kind of analogize it to that. So they're all throughout the soil connecting plants and fungi and fungi and fungi and plant to plant, just transporting all sorts of um, supplies. They're, they're like a network of mutual aid, essentially. If you saw Fantastic Fungi, that film that we were going crazy about a couple of years back, they, they uh, visualize it. Uh, and apply like internet terminology to it. And it totally makes sense. And it's, uh, you know, virtually everywhere under the soil. They go everywhere. So it's ancient too, and it's been around a long time. And that's because it kind of works with everybody else. Yeah. Fungi are about 1.5 billion years old. They've survived all of Earth's major extinction events. And in large part, they do this through partnerships with, plants and other fungi and insects and really they're just they're constantly forming different partnerships in nature to ensure their own success 
but also biodiversity as a whole and the kind of equilibrium of whatever ecosystem they're they're uh, designing and living in. And there's some there's some chemistry and biology, earth science stuff that goes on, and also some social sciences that you tie in with, along with mushrooms. Yeah, one of the things I really enjoy about this topic is the way it kind of, for me at least, it's changed how I look at the world. Um, I think, you know, we're often taught that nature is this very competitive kind of dog-eat-dog place. But when you look at what has made fungi successful, it's actually the cooperation and the, the sharing of resources and acting for the betterment of the whole environment, which... Um, you know, obviously we're, we're people, we can't, we can't do exactly what they do, but we can kind of maybe use that as a template to look at how we are structuring ourselves. They're better humans than we are the mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) You know, how, how did you get into this? What, you know, really sent you down the mycelium highway, so to speak, being so passionate about it? So I've been working on vegetable farms since 2011. I started through WOOF, which is like basically a work exchange. Um, and then in 2016, I saw Peter McCoy speak at the Anderson Foothill Library. He's the author of Radical Mycology and uh, our wonderful Salt Lake Library system. Yeah. was giving a free presentation by Peter. And I I. To be honest, I kind of went to check a box. I was like, well, I've been growing food and I don't know anything much about mushrooms. I dabbled with it a little bit on a few farms. And, you know, 10, 15 minutes into his talk, I realized, oh, this is a huge piece of the puzzle. And it was missing from my understanding of soil science and food production. And then you start looking bigger and you go, oh, this is actually missing from a lot of how we make land management policy, how we design agriculture policy. And I just started to realize that it was really important and I wanted to get more involved in that. really seems to be having kind of a, a moment, uh, mushrooms in mycology in our, um, not just our agrihood, but more, more broadly speaking is perhaps, you know, some answers to some health issues that we have. Some answers to food production. You know, I'm, I'm mindful of Jamie Bonfiglio that we've had on from Whole Sun Wellness, who's doing that whole mushroom farm that she's got going. But um, one of the things that may be overtaking the natural element is the psychedelic side of it. You don't get into the psychedelics, right? You're just into the, the growing, the eating, the salad <laughs> mushrooms, right? Well, I, I don't. Well, there was a any- pause. There was a pause. <laughs> I certainly don't have anything that my neighbors should be uh, concerned about. <laughs> but you do. Um, you do have some I, medicinal ones, though. You do work with medicinal ones, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely work with medicinal mushrooms. Um, most of the mushrooms that we can cook and eat will provide us with some medicinal benefits. Um, for psychedelic info, I usually refer people to How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan or Entangled Life by Merlin Sheldrake. They both get into that a little bit. I think it holds a lot of promise for treating PTSD, anxiety, um, people. Uh, there's been studies where people kind of in with terminal illness can receive great emotional relief from, from psychedelics. Um, 
I, it's not totally where I go just because I, I feel like there's already kind of this mystique around fungi and I, until it's legal, I kind of want to just get people in the avenues where they can kind of safely and freely talk about it and explore different ways for them to grow. I've been experimenting with um, a mushroom powder to replace my morning cup of joe. That has uh, become a thing that I'm seeing, especially online. And so I'm curious, when you talk medicinal mushrooms, which mushrooms are you talking about? And can the the newbie like me or Al grow those successfully too? Yeah. So even oyster mushrooms that you can get at the grocery store or shiitake mushrooms, all of these have a variety of different medicinal compounds. Typically, they're locked up in the cell wall of the fungus. So you have to do some sort of extraction process. You either have to heat it or use a high proof alcohol is usually how we do it. Uh, it's pretty easy to grow almost all of these to the mycelial stage. Some of them are a little bit more difficult to fruit than others, but the mycelium has kind of its own set of medicinal benefits. So it depends on how involved you want to get. And that's one thing I try to do with the workshops is give people different places where they can start depending on how much time and money and energy they want to put into it. So growing the different ones, you're starting with mycelium, but how, how, how is it inoculated or whatever you do to make it be a different, the different strains? So typically I buy what's called liquid culture and that is started by someone who essentially cloned a wild mushroom which is a little bit beyond my skill set. So I buy liquid culture and that goes into basically a simple syrup. It's honey water and that's pressure cooked so that it's sterile. So that when I introduce the strain of fungus that I'm trying to grow, it's the only thing in there and they're all just in uh, modified Mason jars. So and it's then, pretty cheap to start out. And then you and then you use some of the mushroom that you want to grow to start the culture. Yeah. So you transfer it from your liquid culture, which you can kind of keep going by just giving it more food. Like a sourdough starter, right? Yeah, sort of. I mean, sourdough is is yeast based, so we're still talking fungi there. Um, but basically, you transfer it from liquid culture to grain, and then once it's colonized the grain, it's ready to go onto whatever you're planning on fruiting it off of, which for me is usually straw. So you've got workshops, you've got a CSA kit. Where can folks catch up with you, learn more? And are you going to be doing these face-to-face -face or on uh, a virtual platform? Sure. So my website is fungalfocusutah.com. And if you click on the events link, I've got everything coming up with lifelong learning April through June. Those are all online. And then I've started adding some in-person stuff uh, late August, early September with the caveat that, you know, if conditions change, we revert back to Zoom. Um, so my CSA is linked through my website. I have kind of limited spots in there because I do deliveries. So I try to do Salt Lake proper. And then to reach kind of a broader audience, you can go to thegreenurbanlunchbox.com and click on programs and then community supported agriculture. And you'll see the mushroom add-on CSA that you can do through them. They also have a 
flower add-on CSA through Wasatch Blooms that's really amazing too. Thank you so much, Katie. Thanks. Um, there's so much information out there, and you have it. And I'm I'm excited to talk to you a little bit more, and uh, and grow some different kinds, and try to try to get my try to. I, I mean, up the I, mushroom I, game. I up the mushroom game for sure. I love them. They, I love eating mushrooms. Yeah. They're so good. <laughs> yeah, well, it's and- really empowering, and I and it's really good for people living in like small apartments. You know, we're in a city. You don't need a lot of space and you don't need a lot of outdoor space either. So, well, one more time. What's the website? FungalFocusUtah.com. Thanks, um, Katie. Thank you, Katie. And Aldine, that is our show. My thanks to associate producer Billy Palmer and also you, my friend, the punk rock farmer, Aldine Strychnine. But we're going out the way we started the show with some music that's coming to town, actually. The Delbert Anderson Trio will be down in Orem at the Orem Public Library on April 22nd at 7. But they're also doing workshop outreach with youth at the junior high in the neighborhood. Delbert, that's really cool. I love that you guys are incorporating that into what you do on the road, Delbert. Oh, yeah. Like Nick was saying earlier, it's something that we always been a part of. And really, uh, a lot of the experiences we had keeps us in that in that uh, helps us function in that in that manner. Uh, we, we did an educational engagement in Alaska and actually uh, were the very first group that um, a lot of these um, tribes and students that come from really small uh, islands of Alaska, like uh, some are even two miles away from Russia. Uh, we were their, our first, they, we, they were <laughs> our first experience or I'm sorry, I don't know how to say it, but um, yeah, they witnessed uh, Didat was their very first concert. And uh, wow, it was, it was really amazing. And it really uh, touched a lot of us. And so that, that's, you know, we like to make it, uh, you know, we like this, that's what it's all about really. And, you know, performance stuff, we're very, very happy to do that. But, uh, you know, educational engagements is just uh, really touches our hearts a lot. So the songs that we've been playing tonight are off the album Manitou. Where can people pick that up? Manitou is available anywhere music is available. You can get it on uh, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, all those kind of things. So pretty easy to get a hold of. And that's uh, Manitou, M-A-N-I-T-O-U. Well, thank you so much. What's coming up for Dadat? I mean, you're heading you're heading to our way for Earth Day. What else is going on, Delbert? We have a, a lot of uh, actually um, live shows seem to be making a comeback. Uh, we'll actually be uh, in Silver City, um, Orem, of course. Uh, uh, New Jersey is uh, in in this year as well. Uh, we have uh, several New York dates coming up that are still some sort of pending, but uh, we have a lot of things co- uh, going on. Uh, we, you know, we're not involved in music um, only, but we we also have like a musical going. Uh, we have a performing arts sort of um, visual arts engagement that that happens, and so we're we actually have a. A company called Didat Management that has uh, eight different projects that we offer to um, anyone, uh, anyone interested. So we are not only just a band and only perform, but we we're basically in every aspect of the arts. Excellent. So Delbert, set up this next song for us. Uh, we're going out with another one off of Manitou, and you guys are going to be at the Orem Library, uh, 7 p.m. April 22nd. Tickets required, but complimentary. Check tonight's show notes for a link to get your tickets, folks. So, Delbert, what's MD about? 
MD is a tribute to the great uh, Miles Davis, uh, MD, <laughs> his initials. And uh, we have a funny saying in the band, every time we try to um, make a decision, we always say, what would Miles do? And uh, obviously, it's always the worst decision possible. <laughs> so, but we, you know, we, we always do. And, uh, we all love Miles, especially his uh, late electronic um, Miles that he uh, was so famous for. And so this this uh, tune has a lot of electrical influences in it. And uh, um, yeah, it's all a tribute to, to Miles Davis, the great trumpet player. The Delbert Anderson Trio with M.D., Fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM. It's Four Corners. You're all in the family. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.